usually will end up being a bit of a potential lull at the start of the year because of how hard he runs you at the start of the season, because of how the skates are, how the sometimes two-day skates, how training camp is, but it's what's best for the team. And you saw that as the season wore on, we started to kind of gain the identity because there's a few new guys. So when you have these guys who are new to the system, it's hard to kind of adapt to. We lost a few guys and we had to replace them. Like Bo and Raddy both all of a sudden came to much more prominent roles. So did Ross Colton. And with that happening, it kind of takes some time. And as you said, near the end there, we were playing some of our best hockey. And I just kind of see it as a lost opportunity. Hi there. Welcome to the show. I'm Lucas Favalli, and this is Crunch Chronicles, presented by Wendy's. Today on the show, we catch up with a player who is still active in the AHL these days. That's after he spent two seasons with the Crunch prior to the start of the pandemic. We're referring to defenseman Cameron Gauntz, one of the great people I've come across in my time here in Syracuse. He skated for the Crunch starting the 2018-19 season when he put together a career year with 46 points in 59 games. As you'll hear, he gives a specific reason for why he thinks that's the case. Now, I think he's being a little modest and maybe sharing some of the credit with his answer, but we'll let you be the judge of that here in just a few minutes. He came back for another season in 2019-2020 and was having another strong campaign before the season was shut down with the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. In total, Gauntz appeared in 111 games and racked up 78 points, and he currently ranks in the top 10 in scoring among crunch defensemen all time. I hope you enjoy our conversation with Cameron Gauntz. But first, a quick word from Wendy's. Wendy's Pretzel Bacon Pub Cheeseburger is back. Dive into a bite packed with warm, savory beer cheese, applewood smoked bacon, crispy fried onions, and hot and juicy beef. All perfectly paired with a Dr. Pepper at participating U.S. Wendy's for a limited time. Dr. Pepper is a registered trademark of Dr. Pepper 7-Up, Inc. First of all, thank you very much for having me. I'm doing pretty well, thank you. Doing pretty well. Uh... Summer's winding down here in Toronto. It's been a busy one, but my wife and I have had a pretty good summer, and I am uh, anxious to get the season started. Yeah, it's right around the corner. Like you say, we're chatting here, uh, approaching training camps, and it's uh, it's hard to believe that the summer has gone this quickly. But, uh, you know, how was your summer? Anything exciting going on? What was the summer like for you this year? Summer for me was pretty busy. I, I work with my uh, gym and agency in organizing skates, so I'm uh, re- wrestling players in the summer to try to get uh, pin them down where they're going to be, what times they can come on the ice and things of that nature. And sometimes it's kind of like herding cats with these players because <laughs> you give them a bit of freedom and not tell them exactly where to be and when to be. And all of a sudden they're left to their own devices and who knows what they get up to. So uh, in, in that sense, it's been busy, but it's also been nice being able to spend a lot more time with my wife, spend time with friends and family. Uh, being back in Toronto is always a always a pleasure for me. So in that sense, it's been fun. In terms of excitement, um, we traveled out to Vancouver, my wife and I did, because she was going out there for work. Uh, she had to go see a few venues, and I was lucky enough to tag along and just kind of uh, play the uh, helper and support, support husband any way I could. And that was a great time. And I went and saw my relatives out in St. John, New Brunswick. And aside from that, we've been uh, homebodies this summer. 
Well, very good. Uh, that's a, it's a couple of trips, so nice, uh, straightforward. And I feel like you've got the experience of uh, of wrangling players. Uh, you know, during the season, you know, you're you've been a you know the the player rep for the uh, the PHBA and whatnot. You're always wrangling guys, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, it tends to be a bit of a thankless job at times when you're the one organizing. But again, when you're with a group of, I speak to only athletics since that's all I've the only industry I've been a part of. When you're working with players, uh, people who typically are things told, uh, things are done for them and told where they're supposed to be through no fault of their own. They're just not used to being left, like I said before, left to their own devices. So when you're trying to get them pinned down, when you're trying to get things accomplished, um, it, it gets hard at times. Uh, one of my tricks, for instance, I don't, I try to stay away from big group chats. I try to go personally because when it's personal, uh, they're less likely to snub you as much as they would be if you make it in a big group chat. Then people can get lost or they can feel like they don't feel the need to respond as quickly. Uh, so I try to try to keep it to more personal uh, conversations, and that tends to work. But sometimes it doesn't because they're just sick of hearing from me. <laughs> well, I'm jotting notes <laughs> down just in case something like that comes up. That's uh, that is the best. Uh, that's a good approach to take. Uh, well, yeah. you, you've been uh, you've been obviously you were here in Syracuse a couple of years ago. We'll we'll talk about your time with the Crunch here uh, shortly. But the last couple of years, you've been out in Ontario and in, in California. You went from snowy Syracuse to sunny SoCal <laughs> with the uh, the Ontario rain. Heading back there again this upcoming season, uh, get us, I guess, caught up on on the last couple of years for you and and your time uh, so far in Ontario with the rain. My time with the rain has been great. Uh, they they're a very well run organization. It's very different from the Tampa Bay Syracuse affiliation because we actually practice over the same rink and same facility that the Kings do. So everything's under one roof. And though we play our games uh, in more inland in Ontario. We all live and work, practice, work out in the same facility and same area that the Kings do. So that's been very different. Um, but yeah, since since the COVID season ended, since that time, I've been with Ontario. And yeah, like I mentioned, it's a very well-run organization. They've treated me with nothing but respect from the start. And that's all you can kind of ask for. Uh, being out there in the summer, in the winter, pardon me, is quite the drastic change from Syracuse and even from where I grew up in Toronto. Um, the only other time I've been in a warmer climate in the fall uh, and winter months was when I was in Texas for a few years. But that is, uh, again, I, I think quite the stark change from California as well, because you're not living on the beach in the middle of winter. You're It's more of a drier, drier uh, climate out in Texas, whereas there in California, I wake up and I'm steps from the beach every day. So it's definitely a different lifestyle, different, different pace of life. Um, it's a lot slower and that's not just because of the traffic. Uh, it's more just kind of the lifestyle out there. Just things are a bit, uh, a bit slower pace for the most part, if you uh, allow it to be. And w the team we've had has been very young since I got there. Very, very young. I think the first year I was there, we had nine players who were 21 or younger. Um, yeah, and my D partner for last season was 19 turning 20. Um, I believe I still wear shoes that are that old. So it's at times it can be hard to relate, but at other times it's great because you see the kind of exuberance that comes with being such a young player. You see things 
kind of as they're seeing them for the first time. And when you get that, you kind of understand where they're coming from a bit more and can kind of help be as willing and as uh, pliable to change. So uh, the being part of this team has made me alter kind of how I come to the rink a bit. And, but it's also, I think, change, helped me change and add a lot more elements to my game and also me as a person. Well, it, that kind of transitions us a little bit into your time with the Crunch. Uh, that first year, especially, 2018-19, and like we said earlier, you spent two years with the Crunch. One of those was that COVID-shortened year in 2019-20. But the first year, not that young like you're talking about in Ontario, but there was a lot of young players that, that first year, 2018-19, uh, uh, a bunch of rookies coming in that season. I guess we'll start there. You know, what, when you look back on that first year, your first year in the organization in Tampa, Syracuse, and the team ended up being really good by the end of the year, what do, you, what do you remember the most about that year, whether it's some of that youthful exuberance that you were just talking about in Ontario, whether it was just how the team gelled? You know, when you think back about that first year in Syracuse, uh, what do you remember? I think what I remember right off the jump was just how first-class an organization it was. Like just Tampa Bay right off the hop was an organization that, I, I wish I had a more sophisticated way of putting it, but gets it. They understand that... There's certain logistics, certain infrastructures that need to be put in place to make sure the players in the NHL and in the AHL are able to succeed and are able to have the right tools and right uh, options available for them to help them implement and to help them become the best player they can. Because a lot of times, uh, Julian has mentioned it many times, and I believe Stacy has too, the main point, uh, one of the biggest parts of being a general manager is trying to make sure that you solve problems before they happen. And Tampa, I feel like, and Syracuse do an excellent job of doing that. They foresee what could be potentially a problem, and they put something in place to make sure that doesn't happen. And I, I felt right off the start, right when I got down to Tampa, because to, typically that's what that's where a lot of our season started out, was in Tampa, and then we moved to Syracuse from there, and there's call-ups and other things, but... Right when we got down, it was apparent that this was an organization that really puts the player first, does what's necessary to make sure everyone has what they need, every tool possible. And from start to finish in that season and the next year, that's that was always the case. It's probably a pretty easy it sounds like an easy question, but how does that help you as a player then when you know when you know that the team is is prepared like that and, and is thinking of everything and putting you guys first and, and, you know, making sure you have everything you need. How does that help you as a player, you know, especially when your first year in the organization, but for everyone, whether it's their first, second, third year, when they're coming into a situation like that, how does that help both on and off the ice? I think you worded that very well because there's the on ice aspect where you know that they're doing everything they possibly can to help you get better. So you're able to get better. They've got skills coaches. They've got power skating instructors. They've got off-ice movement specialists. They've got wonderful development coaches. They've got staff in both Tampa and Syracuse that are constantly in communication with the players, understanding where they're at. Um, the equipment managers, the equipment staff we had in, Tam in Syracuse and in Tampa, I, I can't speak highly enough about. And when you have all those things as a player just on the ice you're able to improve you're able to do all those things because they're all there for you um and what it means mentally i think is even uh, the bigger part because when you're in the american hockey league I'll, I'll use i'll use that i'll speak to that because i was predominantly in the american hockey league when i was in the syracuse or it was in the tampa organization pardon me and when you're in the american hockey league and you know that the organization is treating every player as an asset and treating every player 
with the same respect and giving them the same opportunity to improve. For someone like myself who's coming in at the age of 28, 29, uh, it just gives you that much more confidence. It gives you some reassurance that this organization sees something in me. I want to do the best I can then for them. They're willing to put the time and effort in. Why shouldn't I? Because sometimes when you're a bit older, you might get lost in the fold. And I, I don't think that's organizations doing you, I'm not saying it's doing a disservice, but at the same time, priorities need to be put in place. And when there's younger players who the organization has invested heavily in, both monetarily and time-wise, they want to make sure that they're getting everything they can out of those players. So sometimes the older players might not be higher on their priority list. But when you're with Tampa, I felt right from the jump, they were a team that immediately made you feel like, hey, you're important. If you want to do something to get better, it's available to you. And what that does for you as a player is it just gives you that much more confidence coming to the rink every day. And when you're, when you're in that type of mindset, it's much more of a growth mindset. It's, you're able to improve as a player and in such improve as a team. Uh, it certainly translated on the ice that whole year for you and for the team. The team won the division title that year in 2019. Uh, uh, on the ice for you, I mean, you had career highs in terms of points, goals, everything across the board. What worked out so well for you? I'm, I'm sure part of it is what you've been talking about already, but what worked for you in terms of uh, your immediate success in the organization? Uh, aside from playing with Verhage, Boo, Brian Boulay, Conacher on the power play, you mean? Um, aside from that, uh, I think part of it was how uh, BG Benoit grew there, uh, the coach at the time, and still his coach, how he uh, was on me right from the start. He, he's not a coach that is going to give much leeway, and that's something that I think I need. Uh, as season go on, someone like myself and other players, but I can only speak to myself, might get complacent in not only my role, but I might get complacent with my play. If I've been playing well for a stretch of time, I understand how I'm supposed to play. I understand I might not strive to be better. I might not strive to do more because I know what's working. It's working for the team. It's working for myself. Uh, and... Uh, BG wouldn't allow that. He always was pushing to make sure you got the best out of yourself. And I thought that was something that uh, really helped me because that's something that my kind of parents always instilled in me. My minor hockey, uh, minor hockey coach, my junior coach is some of the best coaches I've had do that. And by doing that, it, it made sure I continued to push the way I needed to. Um, and then again, I, the, the power play we had, this was the only the, probably second time in my pro career that I've been given the opportunity to play first power play, just because a lot of the time when you're on these teams, you're, you're with players or defensemen who that's their entire role in the organization is they're playing the first power play. And that could be it. Like they might then be the sixth defenseman who's getting spot detail, spot duty against the other team's third and fourth line. Whereas on this team, it was just who was playing the best at the time. We're not going to go based upon who who the organization thinks is best suited in the future. It was who's going to help us now, and clearly it's worked for their organization. And because of that, I was given a chance, and I succeeded because, again, when you're pl with players like we had, Verhage, Barbele, and Conacher, I my job was just essentially to get them the puck in the best situations. Um, and with Andrea off in front, as long as I got it through, it was going to create some trouble. So things like that, I think is what able is was what able to help me uh, play at probably some of the best hockey I've played in the American Hockey League.
Yeah, what a, I mean, you just mentioned that group. I mean, Alex Barre-Boulay and Carter Verhage both had 34 goals tied for the, the league lead. Uh, yeah, Carter Verhage led the league in, in scoring with 82 points. It was a fun team. I mean, that had to be a blast to be part of not only the power play, but just up and down the lineup. And by the end of the year, the you know, the rookies as well, the Taylor Radishes, the Ross Coltons, they came into their own as well. That was a, a pretty fun group. It was a great group. Uh, just on the ice, it was a group that, Again, BG really instills a lot of work ethic. If it's not there, he's going to make sure it's there or you're not going to be playing. And when you're with a team like that who you know you can depend on shift after shift that you know the work ethic's going to be there, you know the, I'll use the term backtracking or someone who's like a four who's back pressuring, back checking the rush, you know that they're going to be there. It gives you that much more confidence every time you go over the boards that you know everyone's going to, going to have your back. And seeing how the leaps and bounds some of these guys grew, uh, you talk about Verhage, you talk about Barboulet, uh, Volkov even that year struggled a bit at the start, if I remember, but end of the year with 23 goals. Radish improved, Colton improved, Cal, uh, his confidence in his game just, again, grew and grew and grew as the season went on. Uh, Kachuk had a good year. And then again, we started the year, like my defense partner at the start of the year was Chernak. That's who I started playing with. And it took him nine games before he checked out of the league and decided to find a better defense partner in Ryan McDonough than me. Um, so the year just, well, just when we were on the ice, you knew what you were getting. They put together, Stacey Roos did an excellent job of putting together the best team possible. And with the, with the staff we had, it just, it just worked and off the ice. Again, when you've got a captain like Gabriel Dumont and you've got the leaders that we had, um, it really set us up for success off the ice too because, again, I've been on teams that have been very good on the ice, but it wasn't a great atmosphere off the ice. Like I don't I don't, uh, 100% believe that the best teams that get along together off the ice are the ones that are going to be most successful on the ice. I don't attribute that always to being too successful. I, I've played on kind of both. But this was a team that we got along very well off the ice and it showed on the ice. Uh, we had a good group of young guys who wanted the best and who were good people who were willing to listen to the staff, listen to the older guys who might know a thing or two, not everything, though we might think so. We know a thing or two. And they were able to listen and kind of take that advice, heed that advice and do with it what they did. And um, again, it was a cohesive on and off the ice. Cohesive group, pardon me, on and off the ice. Yeah, and and really did come together. It, the team was so good, one of the top teams in the league at the end of the year. It, I think it was third overall or something by the end of the year in the AHL. But the the division came down to the wire. It was the crunch of the Rochester Americans that year. It came down to, I think, the game 75 of 76. Every game meant something. The, the buildings were packed by the end of the year. I mean, you know how loud it gets here at Upstate Medical University Arena. What was that playoff race like, the division title race like with Rochester? What is there? Do you remember a, a, a moment or so in that, that final couple of weeks stretch before the playoffs of, of just how intense those games got here? I wouldn't say I'd pinpoint a particular moment. It was more just the feeling and the sense I got over that last month and a half. When you've played as many games as I have, you try not to take one game as too much more important than the last when you're in the regular season, just because, again, there used to be, well, it used to be 76, now there's 72 of them. And if you get two up for certain games or not enough, not enough up for other games, then you're going to die out. You need to kind of keep them even keel. But you couldn't help but getting a bit more, just feel a bit more intensity, feel a bit more um, with some guys, a bit of apprehension on the other team, on our team, just because of how 
intense those games got. You come, uh, what you come to the rink in Syracuse and we're almost packing or packing every game with fans. They do such a good job of showing us through there and being a part of the action. And the other teams that year, we had a very good division. And like you said, just the compete level was constantly through the roof. It was something that I personally loved. I love being part of games like that. It's It makes it that much more fun when everyone is kind of at their best or at least wanting and caring that much more. And again, I wish I could pinpoint one particular moment, but it was just kind of the constant. Every game was important. Every game meant something because you knew the other teams, you knew Rochester was winning that night. If you weren't playing them, they were winning. So you had to win to keep up. And it was, it was something that I definitely will never forget just how much intensity there was over that last month and a half every day game day, practice day, even your off days, you caught, you catch yourself talking to other guys in your team about what's happening with these other teams. What's going on with this team? Who's winning that game? Who's winning this game and going from there. Yeah, it was, it was a thrilling run to be a part of, or at least to, to be able to watch and feel the intensity uh, from, from the booth where I was, and we know it ended up in the division title for the Crunch. Uh, I guess we'll touch very briefly on that that uh, playoff series against Cleveland. It obviously didn't go the way the Crunch were hoping for. Um, you know, what, what, do you, what do you think, as you think back about that, that playoff and the, the team that the Crunch had that year, just, you know, I guess what, what are your, your final reflections on that team as a whole and, and what happened in the playoffs? That was a hard couple weeks because I had actually been with uh, the Lightning for the first round of the playoffs that year when they were up in Columbus and when that happened um, and then came down and lost again. I guess the only catalyst there was me between those teams. So take from that what you will. But it was it was hard because when you're in that when you're in that short of a series, all it takes is one bad game and the series could essentially be gone. Like we lost the first game and we laid an absolute egg. We did not play well. I don't know. There, there's no reason for it because I would love to be a bit more introspective and figure out exactly what it was that I did wrong leading up to that game. But I felt like we did, we said the right things. We were doing the right things leading up to the game. I thought BG and his staff did an excellent job of preparing us for that game. But for some reason, once it started, we just fell flat. And then after that point, it was an uphill battle. I thought we dominated game two. We lost, but we dominated. And then all of a sudden, you're down 2 nothing in a five-game series. We won the next game in Cleveland and then lost game four in a game again. I'm pretty sure we outshot them by quite a large margin. And just with the team whose power play like we had, we had one of the best power plays, if not the best in the league. For us to come up empty, it was it was really hard. I think it was a lesson that we all kind of learned. And again, from that team you got a few Stanley cup champions out of it. Like you, the, there's always lessons to be learned um, when you're playing hockey at any level. And it was good to see that some of these guys kind of took the lesson of you can't take a game off in the playoffs because when you take that one game off, that's all, that's all the other team needs because not only do they get a game up or they, not only do they get a win, but then also just mentally, they understand that they have you or they have that slight edge and you look what Cal uh, Radish was able to do last year before he got or the season before before he got traded. You look what Volky did in the playoffs. You look what obviously Ross did when they were with Tampa. I would like to think that some of that came from the experience they gained from that year and realizing that this isn't something. Pardon me, Enver Hagee, and this isn't something that you can accept. You can't accept having a game off and 
my biggest reflection was it looked like a lot of us learned from it and were able to take something from it and move on. Yeah, I think you're right. It, it certainly helped some of those guys when they got up to Tampa and, and made those uh, you know, those playoff runs uh, the next couple of years. Uh, we'll shift very quickly to the following year, 2019-20. You come back for your second year of the organization. It's Unfortunately, it's a year that I think a lot of us just want to forget about with the way it ended uh, with COVID hitting in, uh, in March and the season just stopping short. That year, you guys were kind of hovering around that playoff line most of the year you had fallen down you were really route the second half of the year I mean, that team was getting hot and it was uh, turning into a great playoff race by the end of the year until uh, until COVID hit and the season was paused what you know when you think back at your final year in Syracuse what do you I guess besides COVID what is your takeaway from that season my takeaway unfortunately just lost opportunity yeah um, like you said we were I still remember the last day just before everything was shut down I believe it was March 12th we played in Utica we won 3-1 and one of what was arguably one of our most complete efforts all year. Like, I thought we played excellent. It even included a Luke Witkowski. I'm pretty sure it was a penalty kill goal. Yeah, it was beautiful, um, too. It was a, a highlight real goal. <laughs> right? Like, I like the fact that that happened, you knew. I, I, I hope he went out and bought a lottery ticket that night. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, like, it was – we just see it as – I see it as lost opportunity. We were a team that was – again, when you have – BG as a coach, there usually will end up being, unfortunately, a bit of a potential lull at the start of the year because of how hard he runs you at the start of the season, because of how the skates are, how the sometimes two-day skates, how training camp is, but it's what's best for the team. Um, and you saw that as the season wore on, we started to kind of gain the identity because there's a few new guys, like you add in Jamel Smith, yeah, in Danik Martell there, Chris Mueller. I know he ended up getting traded. Matthew Joseph was down with us for a bit of a longer stint. So when you have these guys who are new to the system, it's hard to kind of adapt to. Like we lost a few guys and we had to replace them. Like Bo and Raddy both all of a sudden came to much more prominent roles. So did Ross Colton. And with that happening, it kind of takes some time. And as you said, near the end there, we were playing some of our best hockey. I forget what we finished the, the last 10 games. I want to say we won seven or last 10 before the shutdown. And I just kind of see it as a lost opportunity. It was very similar to the year before in that, again, Tampa set us up very well. Stacey Roos did an excellent job of putting the right players in, in positions to succeed. We had good guys on and off the ice. I can just kind of just repeating myself, I know, but it was very similar. And it just, it was something that obviously we'll remember all the incidents after, but leading up to it, I just see it as a yeah, lost opportunity. Well, you say you're repeating yourself, but it is the recipe that the Lightning have uh, have used for years uh, in the AHL, and it certainly uh, has worked out uh, for a long time for them, both here in Syracuse and before that. Uh, Cameron Gauntz, our guest here on Crunch Chronicles. Cameron, I know... Um, Wherever you've been in your career, obviously the on-ice stuff is important for you, but being in the community and, and diving right into the community has is, is been a big part of, uh, of what you're about. Tell us about, you know, just your, I guess, your connection in your two years here to the, the Syracuse community and what being in the city meant for you for a couple of years. Well, I, I appreciate you acknowledging that. Um, it's, again, it's not the reason why I do it. I find, I find at times when I talk about these things, I feel a bit disingenuous because I try not to do those things for you. I try not to do those things for recognition, but right. at the same time, it, it, it's kind of a double-edged sword because at the same time, when I hear from people like you who are with the organization who do work in the community and they say things like that to me, it, it does make me feel good about it. 
So it's, it's again, a bit of a double-edged sword, but it's something I try to do in every community I go to because they're accepting me in. And it's one of those things you got to have a bit, bit of self-awareness. And if I might not be the reason someone comes out and watches a game, uh, I don't think many people are buying tickets to watch Cameron Gons play this defensive positioning sound game who knows the system and can make a first pass. I don't know if that's exactly putting butts in seats. So I can potentially bring value in other ways. Uh, I think I do a decent job of uh, connecting with people and I can uh, have some spare time on my hands. I'm willing to help out any way I can. And that was just kind of how I was raised to help when you can. And being part of a community like Syracuse, who's got the crunch do an excellent job of working with the community when i was there bridget did an excellent job of helping me with that and so did you and what i remember from that is right when i reached out uh, at the start of the season i reached out and i asked a few things i could i please do these things when it comes to when it comes to the community and there was no hesitation there was no trepidation from the team it was immediate yes how can we help? What can we do? What can we set up? So I was able to set up the ticket for teachers program. And I try to set that up, honestly, everywhere I go over the last couple of years, just because it's something I, I, I think is important. I think rightfully so a lot of uh, uh, services get thanked at games, get um, shown, given, uh, given their flowers, if you will. And I think teachers are another, another group of people that deserve, some recognition so i try to do that i try to go be involved with schools well i mean uh, um, hospitals especially the cancer wards when i can just because the effect is out of my family and then i was also able to work with uh, a group called building men um, which is in syracuse and what we do or what they do i should say because i was only there for a brief period I, I can't take much credit for it essentially it's an after school program that works with uh, young men in the area and what they do is they just try to give them an outlet try to teach them it's predominantly around basketball and what they do is they put them through games then they help they help them improve in other aspects of their life how to properly be uh young upstanding men in the community they go on trips actually to go help out in other uh, parts of the world they help out around syracuse and that was a group that i was able to get in touch with and have continued to stay in touch with to this date and Again, that was through the help of the Syracuse Crunch staff. So it's always been something uh, I kind of take pride in, and I'm glad that um, I'm glad that I was able to have a little bit of a difference in the community. Uh, well, we're certainly appreciative of the efforts here uh, in the community. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Cameron, we'll we'll let you go on this one final question. Just, I guess, uh, is there anything else you want to add about your time in Syracuse with the crunch on and off the ice, uh, the fans, whatever it might be? I guess just one final thought on on your time in the organization. Uh, to the fans of Syracuse, I think the biggest thing was I thought they did an excellent job of making us know and making it be known that we were supported. Um, I've played in arenas over the years, whether I won't name names, but that were empty or that were, might've been full, but you couldn't tell. Um, Syracuse was, <laughs> that was never the case. There might've been some nights where the weather wasn't great and it might've stopped people from coming as many people as probably we'd hoped to come, but the ones that were there definitely made up for it. Um, they're a boisterous crowd. They're a crowd that is very... Uh, invested in their team and it always the players recognize it on both teams they recognize it. the rink uh, is has done a great job of keeping a lot of its character 
keeping a lot of the things the same that I think help improve the atmosphere for the players. And it was something that I definitely, uh, definitely took away from it. Um, I hope just, I just hope that in the future, they continue this, they continue to be as passionate about the team as they were when I was there. Cause I know it was wonderful for me and whoever came to watch me always remarked on it afterwards. And that's the one thing I'll always remember. Well, they have, uh, we expect them to come back uh, in droves again this year. 29th year of crunch hockey right around the corner. Wow. Well, Cameron Gauntz, we uh, very much appreciate the time you've given us here today on Crunch Chronicles. We uh, Good luck again this year out in Ontario. Who knows, maybe the crunch and the rain will uh, will meet down the line at some point this year, which <laughs> wouldn't that be fun. But uh, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, enjoy the uh, the final week or two of summer. And, and like I said, good luck here the this season in Ontario. Of course. Anytime. Thanks for having me, Luke. There he is, Cameron Gauntz. We thank him for giving us the time at the tail end of his summer as he prepares for his third season with the Ontario Reign in what will be his 13th pro season. The veteran enters the 2022-2023 season at 731 career AHL games played. Tied for 61st all-time in AHL history. And again, 111 of those games came with a crunch. He has also served the league and the players well during his career as a team representative for the Players Association. We hope he remains involved in the game for a long time, and we wish him good luck this season. If you have any Cameron Gone stories, we'd love to hear them and share them on an upcoming episode of the show. You can send in a voice memo to me via email, lfavali at syracusecrunch.com, and we'll get to them on an upcoming episode of Crunch Chronicles. Well, that'll do it for us, though, on this week's episode of the show. Thanks again to Cameron Gons for joining us. For all of us with this Syracuse Crunch, I'm Lucas Favalli saying so long for now. We'll chat again next week on another episode of Crunch Chronicles.